In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable SARS. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as the Binary Saga. Log entry, Haima Venus 72, 2376, Age of Enlightenment. Hey Jason. Well, my big news, Andy and I got married! <laughs> I was really bummed that you weren't able to attend the wedding, stupid space travel. But it sounds like the VSA is making some serious progress on the spacecraft front. Hopefully you'll be able to make the trip soon. Or maybe we can meet you guys at the hotel since it's almost ready for guests. Are they making docks for a mono spacecraft? I just made a note to myself to ask Helgi about fitting a universal lock on the Verkstad ships. Well, where to even begin? Oh, I know. The stag party. <laughs> In hindsight, we should have just taken the Vinstrasse twin suggestion, risk ruining diplomatic relations, flown to Vela, and partied with you, Javi, and Aaron. We would have gotten in less trouble. <laughs> Okay, the stag party was the weekend before the wedding. In attendance were all the usual suspects from our respective friend groups. We started the night at the Dockside Brewery. I know the brewmaster from university, and she made us a special hoppy red ale. It is my favorite style. Plus, the brewery set up this great smorgasbord, which was really delicious. But I noticed that, with the exception of Bran, who is still dating my cousin Dahlia Fjallstad, Andy's law school friends, didn't really mingle with anyone other than themselves. This was particularly frustrating for Andy because he felt like he had to keep them company. After everyone was well-fed and the keg was empty, we hit a couple different bars, but nothing seemed to get Andy's friends to socialize with everyone. So Kai suggested that we head to the legendary Volley Bar, because that never fails to be fun. Before the Citus Onda, the crew of the Fiska ship called the Wildfire always drank at the volley bar before setting sail. Sadly, the ship was lost at sea, but for the last 3,000 years, the bartenders have always left the pint out for the lost crew. Now, people swear they have seen the ale and the pint go down as the night goes on. Even me. But that might have more to do with the Millimalika shots they serve than actual apparitions. Anyway, Kai was right, and the party turned around. Shots came out, Toasts were made, shanties were sung, and everyone seemed like they were finally gelling. And we reached that point in the night when you know the right thing to do is not tempt the Stromheim curse and just go home. But against our better judgment, we headed to the Surfrider anyway, because they had live music. Andy and I were dancing when we heard glass shatter, and the band stopped playing. A crowd had formed near the bar, and I could see the Vinstrasse twins struggling to hold Janine and Catherine apart as they screamed at each other. Catherine broke free of Orin's grip and struck Janine across the face. By the time I made my way over, they were fighting like ice lions. <laughs> I still feel a little guilty for not jumping in to stop it, but I kind of wanted to see who would win. <laughs> but then I got knocked down to the ground, and Andy had to rescue me from getting trampled. While he was making sure I was okay, we missed the authorities detaining everyone for public intoxication and disorderly conduct. They all spent the night in the sober cells. <laughs> Everyone's a little fuzzy on how it started, but apparently Titus, 
thought the pint left out for the lost wildfire crew was a joke, so he drank it before we left the valley bar. That pissed off Max, naturally, being a Stromsheim native. Then Joel told Kai and the twins that they weren't real doctors because they were just PhDs. My Fjallstad cousins, who are all medical doctors, came to their defense. Then Guys and Mari started bickering, and Catherine said something, I have no idea what, that pissed off Janine's boyfriend, Rune. Janine and Inez started yelling at Catherine and Titus, while Bran tried to calm everyone down. That failed. The whole thing deteriorated into a showdown between Janine and Catherine. Apparently, Rin Laurelin and Andy's youngest brother, Rickard, missed the whole fight, as they were in the back corner, making out. (laughs) Andy and I paid their fines, and everyone was released the following morning. There was a round of sheepish apologies, but by the time we all returned to the estate, everyone was in good spirits. That said, I don't think we'll be blending Andy's law school friends with the rest anytime soon. Plus, Andy's mortified and is quietly frustrated at his friend's behavior. I'm attaching some of the fleet comms exchange I had with Bjorn as I explained that two of his daughters got arrested. Oh, he was mad. But that should give you some excellent colorful vocabulary to use. My favorite is Tamal Bershashta, which roughly means, this is skit. <laughs> but it sounds so much cooler in Veronian slang. <laughs> the day before the wedding, Andy and I were separated for our family rituals. All the women in my family went to a traditional spa for my ritual cleansing. Before the ritual, I was scrubbed, waxed, and washed by the spa attendants and given a robe. And then I met everyone outside to the pools for the ritual. Once there, I disrobed and I walked into a pool of glacier water to symbolize my strength and resilience. And then I walked through a natural hot spring where I emerged as a new head of a family. It was incredibly moving to have all the women in my family there for it. After the family rituals, Raythea, Catherine, and the Laurelin sisters joined the rest of us for cocktails and general silliness back at the estate. Andy's family rituals are somewhat similar, and all the men end up at a tavern with the rest of the men in my family and his friends. I didn't know what Kai and the Vinstrasser brothers had planned after that, but I told Kai I had one rule. They couldn't draw on his face. Seriously, don't ask. <laughs> The following day was the wedding, and I was awoken by Heather and Mari when they came into my apartment with breakfast and cafe. The three of us just enjoyed having a day with just us. And then in the afternoon, my mom, Iria, Juniper, and Vera banged through the door of my apartment and said it was time for all of us to get ready. My mom did my makeup and put my long fleta in an elaborate bun held by three large multi-petal pink flowers from the Yodith Mountains by my right ear to the back of my head. And Iria helped me into a steel blue ethereal floor-length gown that her grandmother Frida wore for her wedding. The gown was strapless with black accents and pockets, which was important because that's where I put my fieldstone. And then Vera helped me into the Jorgensen black cloak that was attached across my neck and hung just over my shoulders. We were all amazed how well everything matched, like it was meant to be worn together. As you know, Mana loves superstition, and this extends to things we wear and hold during the ceremony. The saying goes, A trinket from our mother to guide us through life. One from another to bring us the joy of love. One from a best friend to keep us grounded. 
and finally one from our father to bring us luck. Vera pulled some strings, and I got to wear the ring you gave me as a trinket from a best friend. My mom let me wear the pennant necklace that matches your mom's for her trinket. My dad let me carry his fieldstone that he carries for luck. His fieldstone is different than ours, because as far as we know, its pair has been lost over a millennia, but it has been passed down by each Jorgensen generation as a good luck charm. In fact, my dad had it in his pocket when he met my mom, so it seemed fitting for today. I realized I didn't have a trinket from another mother, but my mom said she had already had that covered and messaged Janine to join us in my apartment. Janine started to happily flood when she saw me, and then she handed me a card. It was from Bjorn. The note was incredibly sweet, and he apologized again for not being there, but he had hoped that what was in the box would make up for it. My eyes were already in tears when Janine said, This was my mom's. Hopefully this will work as a trinket to bring you the joy of love. And inside the box was an exquisite black diamond wrapped bracelet. I hugged Janine, and I told her that I would be honored to wear it. My mom joked that I was not allowed to keep the bracelet. (laughs) Outside on the grounds, rows of seating were arranged in a circle, with two aisles meeting in the center where the ceremony would be held. Lights, candles, and flowers were hung around the area, and it looked magical as Aluda began to set. Kai escorted me to my spot at the end of one of the aisles, and I saw Andy on the other side of the aisle carrying the Jorgensen sword, and we just smiled at each other. Andy wore a traditional Lithian suit, and his hair was tied back and his beard was trimmed. Kai gave me a hug and told me that he loved me and hoped that I would forgive him. And then the music began, and Andy's younger brother, Rickard, joined Kai with a basket of flower petals. And at the other end of the aisle... I saw the twins with identical baskets, and the four of them began dancing while throwing flower petals on the aisles and on everyone. (laughs) I couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) Once the brothers' performance was done, Andy and I walked towards each other, and we met in the middle and joined hands, and we were both still giggling, as neither of us knew what our brothers had planned. (laughs) And the priestess began the ceremony, and she spoke of joining families and worlds. And we cut our hands on the ancient Jorgensen sword and atoned our vows. Then the priestess said we could seal our love forever with a kiss, and everyone cheered. It's funny that you mentioned the need for medical professionals for our rituals, because when we were walking into the gallery for the reception, Andy leaned to me and said, Can you get your dad? I looked down and I saw that the ceremonial cloth that wrapped Andy's hand was soaked through with blood. He may have cut his hand on the sword a little more than he should have. My dad gave him five stitches. (laughs) But once Andy was patched up, we met everyone for the reception. The reception was much like our usual family get-togethers, with drink, food, chatting, and dancing. The biggest surprise was when Andy grabbed the microphone and held up his hand and joked about being another victim of the Jorgensen ancestral sword. He thanked everyone for coming and asked everyone to raise a glass for everyone that couldn't be there, and mentioned you, your mom, and Javi by name. And then he came over to me, and he sang a traditional ancient love song, a cappella. It was so beautiful. I sometimes forget that Andy can actually sing, and it was a lovely evening. I've attached a ton of pictures and bits for you. The following morning, I woke up on Andy's chest, 
and he was already awake playing with my hair. And he grinned at me, and he said the sweetest thing. I wish yesterday was tomorrow, so I can marry you all over again. Eventually, we met our families and our friends outside on the patio, and it was like any other son and dog brunch, except we were married. (laughs) We just got back to Alondra for the legislative session, which is going to start in less than a month. I heard that Vela-related discussions are on the docket. I will keep you posted on that. I'm flying out to Viron tomorrow morning with my parents, and we have a couple of fundraisers to attend, finish up the House Jorgensen office move, and standard work meetings. Andy has to go to Yasna and then back to Alondra for a week, and then he will join me on Viron for the weekend. So yeah, being married hasn't changed our lives much. <laughs> this weekend, we're going snowboarding in the Yarva Mountains with Janine and Room. I should say that they will be, because you remember what happened the last time I went snowboarding when I was at the academy. Constantly falling on my wrist and sliding down a mountain on my butt is not what I call fun. I will be in the hotel by the fire with a book and a hoppy red ale. Okay, (laughs) enough about me. Let's talk about your beautiful girlfriend, Erin. I love the maroon color of her scales. And that picture of her at the marina... Her scales almost shimmer gold in the light. Is that because she's blushing? My mom said that Ori was raving about Erin in her last message. She thinks that she's spunky and brilliant. And that's some serious praise coming from your mom. (laughs) I guess that means she approves? I also love that her eye color matches your scales. I think it's a sign. Just ignore the superstitious high Mavenin. But it's a sign. Does her scale color different from her parents? Or do the different regions have a dominant scale color or eye color in the same way our eye colors are family traits? Okay, these may be Janine's questions. She's obsessed with the Vellans right now. Janine and Rune stayed on Haimavina for a few months after the wedding, and I got her on the network, and she spent hours on it, going back decades and reading about the daily lives of the Vellans and the Haimavinans. What you have to know about Janine is that she is a marketing genius. She was not only impressed with our network, but she thinks the site could be used as a grassroots tool to help the Mana and Valen relations on a larger scale than we created. In fact, one evening, she spelled out her entire vision to me, Vera, and Vera's chief of staff. It must be a Laurelin thing, because, like her dad, she likes to use props and explain her strategy. (laughs) It's an innovative approach, and since politics don't seem to be working, maybe this will. We will keep mulling it over with Janine, because it's all she talks about now. (laughs) Thanks for being proud of me. That means a lot. I do feel good that I spared Bella. I've also wondered why Bella would attack me in front of everyone. Maybe she figured since she was going down, she would just take me with her. This goes back to your point about Raythea. Maybe there's a lot more layers to Bella, too. Hopefully, we Haimavinans are influencing the Alithians for the better. It doesn't hurt, though we are lucky to have the Velens to give us an outside perspective on our culture. Maybe we Haimavinans are giving the Alithians perspective on theirs. I guess we're all making ourselves better. And while you may be amazed with my fighting skills, I am always amazed by your flying skills. I mean, that you could just tell by the feel of the craft or the touch of the controls which direction the ship was listing instead of relying on instruments. That really shows how intuitive flying is for you. Plus, no offense to Aaron, 
But you really demonstrated to the VSA that an SI computer cannot always replace an actual pilot at the controls, especially in an emergency. What would have happened if you weren't there? I bet Aaron is pretty impressed, though. <laughs> I told Helgi and Juniper about this, and Juniper said, Yeah, well, it's because that kid's got a gift. <laughs> I'm sorry that the Haimavina Historical Society won't get to know about the house rules and rights, or what happens at the summits. But in some ways, I think they'll be more confused by them. I have an idea, though. I attached a digital copy of the book on the history of Haimavala Prime. It's very candidly written, and it spells out a lot of the history, including pictures of the stone, from long ago. Hopefully, that will either get them off your back, or you can just relish in the fact that you know more than they do. <laughs> Don't forget to send me pictures of Javi and Yoru and Somo's new child. I wish I could be there to hold that little one. Auntie CJ has a nice ring to it. <laughs> Love always. CJ, age 42. Log entry, Vela 72, Vela Rotat 2697, cycle 5 of the 7th Annual. Hey, hey, Siege! First of all, let me say, congratulations on your wedding! Wow, you are married now. If I'm reading correctly in my fancy new historical book that some nice person sent me about the history of marriage on Haimavala Prime, and even on Haimavina now, that's like a for the rest of your life type thing. With how long your people live, wow, that's a really long time. It's a good thing you picked out someone who cares for you as much as you care for them. You share the same interests and goals for your life, find comfort in one another, and when they aren't near you, you think about them all the time. You fought through the chop and found the calm waters and clear skies. For that, I'm very happy for you. While I'm not sure about the docking situation on the hotel yet, I'm sure that the VSA and Haxa can work something out. The station is being built with the future in mind, not just Velen-based visitors. They know about the potential for guests from other worlds with the advent of our new engines and with the travel going to and from there. Plus, the VSA was able to examine the docking couplers on the Crimson Sun, so I have to think that it was taken into account. If nothing else, there is always a very large shuttle landing bay that can bring visitors over from any craft nearby. It would be silly not to plan for that. The story of your stag party sounds hilarious. The first bar you mentioned, the Wildfire, reminds me of a place we have here in CNR. The Exotita is an old haunt for pilots that has been around for so many rotats that I'm not sure when it was founded. The people that work there aren't even sure since the ownership has changed webs so many times. They think it was around even back when the skiffs were the only way in and out of the city. They have a stool there that is dedicated to fallen heroes. There's a plaque near it with the names of famous Velen pilots that distinguished themselves and the stool remains unused to honor them. I have only been in there once as one of the names on the stool is my father, Kezi. It felt a little awkward, and as soon as someone there realized who I was, I left pretty quickly. I really like the tradition, though, and it's a fairly popular place among most of the flyers here in the city. It sounds like a drunken bar fight was the perfect way to end your Stromsheim evening. I hope that no one was seriously hurt during it, but it did sound a little funny. 
I think you may need to keep an eye on Janine as she may be gunning for your title of Shield Maiden. It sounds like she can hold her own in a fight and would fiercely defend those close to her. At least, that's what I imagine she was doing. Did you ever find out what started all of it? I have to wonder what Catherine may have said to instigate it. You're pretty lucky that Titus even made it out of the wildfire in one piece. If someone even tried to sit on the stool at Exotita, I think there would be about 30 people that would bounce him out of the place so fast that would make your fleta unbraid. The details of your wedding ceremony sounded beautiful, as I'm sure it all was. There is so much tradition and pageantry involved, and it looks, from my reading, like so much of it has carried through from older traditions. Everything from the walk through the springs to the cutting of the hands. I have to mention, again, you folks really like to draw a lot of blood during your ceremonies. I hope that Andy is okay after that and didn't get any sort of infection. It's a good thing your dad is a doctor and was nearby. I'm glad that Vera managed to get the ring back from... Wow, so where was it at the time of that rotat? Are they still moving that display around between the Alithian system and Haimavina? Or did it finally settle in a single place? I think that ring has probably traveled further than anyone on our two planets combined. Well, it made me feel very special to know that it was there with you. It's like I was standing there with you, beside you, while the vows were being made between two people who were always there for each other. <clears throat> Thank you for allowing a part of me to take place in your wonderful day. Shortly after I sent my last transmission, I realized that I had no idea what the date and time for your ceremony would be. I feared that I would miss it in the rotat that passes between messages. So I was glad that Javi was there to save the day. He and Mari have been talking about your plans for a while now, and she apparently sent the exact details for when and where it would be happening on Haimavina. Needless to say, that there was a lot of math involved in figuring out the translation between time here and time there. You should have seen the pinboard drawing we had up with diagrams of Haimavina orbiting Aluda and Vela orbiting Von La, not to mention planetary rotations. Aaron walked in on us and just laughed. She sat down in her terminal and in about two quarter tides, she had programmed in a new function for the SI that translated the time and date between our planets. Now I just have to ask, what time is it in Stromsheim? And the SI will respond. Have I mentioned how smart she is? As it turned out, your ceremony's time was actually in the middle of the night here in CNR. Mom invited Javi, Aaron, and I over so we could make an evening of the big event. She even cooked a whole dinner for all of us using a cookbook that she received from Helgi. There are a lot of Haimavinian dishes that can be made here. The Kotbalar was amazing. We all sat around the table and ate while we waited for the moment to be just right. When it was time, we gathered around with the field stone sitting in the middle of the table. Each one of us took turns holding it and giving a toast with a story about you. Erin went first and held the stone tightly. She said that while she didn't know you that well, she knew you through the stories that we told and she could see the effect that you've had on each of our lives. She really liked that out of all of the various women that have come through my life, that you felt certain that she was the one for me. To her, that meant like you also gave your approval of her because she knows what I mean to you and you to me. Because of that, she felt a closeness to you. 
Then she winked at me with a smile and said that she thought she felt the stone become a little warmer. Hmm. I was next, and honestly, I wasn't even sure where to start. You had been with me through so many times in my life, but the one I will always hold dear was the time that you were with me in one of my most dire events, the crash of the CS1. I told how I was actually in the process of sending you a message from the flight and how I held you in my thoughts, even as I started to fall out of the sky. Mom got a little upset at reliving the story and stood up to leave the room for a moment, at least, until I was finished. When I was done, she came back in and hugged me so hard that I had trouble breathing again. When she finally let go, Mom took the stone and gave us the story about Uncle Helgi telling her about your fourth day and how you and Kai sold rocks to your neighbors. She even brought out some photos Helgi sent and you looked adorable, even back then. At that point, she started to flood again and expressed how proud she was of you for accomplishing so much. Javi went last and furnished us with some things that I had not even heard of. He must have the inside scoop on some of your more illicit past through Mari. I'm sure that the two of them have been sharing stories for a while now, and it has me worried. I do have to say that I was a little shocked. Cecilia Jana Jorgensen Neufspark, I can't believe that you could do what you did to that poor waiter. You should be ashamed of yourself. His story was the much-needed laugh to break the tension of the room. So, hey, if Mari tells you something about me and a certain attendant on a shuttle flight to Laar, um, it's all fake, none of it happened, and it should be disregarded completely. At the end, we all touched the stone in the middle of the table and said, You are our family, blood, and soul. CJ, thank you for your friendship. Viner till enda. Since it was so late, Mom set up a room for Aaron and me to stay in while Javi passed out on the couch. As we lay together in the bed, Aaron held me close and told me about how she read through the file about my crash a number of times. It had all just been data sets and numbers to her back then, but now it had so much more meaning. She said that of all of the women in my life, she is honored that she gets to share me with you. As I was falling asleep, I could feel her slip out of bed and to go into the other room. I vaguely remember her talking with my mom as I drifted off. When I woke up, I found out that they stayed up all night talking. I don't know what it was about, but I'm sometimes a little wary of how much they plot between them. It's frightening how well they get along. I don't know if it's because they both have a background in systems and technology, or if it's something more. Erin actually grew up living with her mother, but she passed away about ten rotats ago. Her mother's scales were even more of a vibrant red from the photos I have seen. So many of our colors can be passed down from our parents, but sometimes there are some strange variations. I've seen a number of combinations of scale colors even. Those are becoming much more common now as more Velens from different regions mingle, whether dyed or natural. I met one girl that was a mix of blue and yellow stripes. She had like a two-militide memory, but was incredibly nice. I doubt that had anything to do with her coloring, but it was something that stuck out. You may not need to wait for me to relay any of this information about Vela to you for Janine, though, as I've noticed that she has been a lot more involved with the network recently. She posted some inquiries now, and there are hundreds of responses to her. 
We noticed that there were a few less than respectful answers in the reply, so Aaron actually worked on some coding and built out a system that allows users to hide or remove posts that they find offensive. I hope that the bad postings don't muddy Janine's view on our culture too much. There's always that one group. It would appear that she is building up her own historical society for Vela over there. Please pass on to Juniper that I'm really honored to get such high praise from her. You know, she's always been kind of an idol for me growing up. With Helgi telling mom stories about his fabulous pilot wife, I had always hoped to live up to her expectations. Maybe if I can make it out there, hopefully soon, we can meet and exchange piloting tips. I bet she would have a lot to teach. I am sure that there are a lot of differences in techniques between our two styles of flying. Oh, Joru and Soma had their baby. The fourth day celebration was Ada Newell's ago, and they had a beautiful baby girl. Javi was there for it, but was not in the pool with them, so little baby Pei swam directly for Soma. They could not be happier. I have included a large number of photos of the little one and the happy mothers. There's even one of Javi holding Pei. As you can see right now, her scales are bronze just like Joru. But there's a chance that as she gets older, we may see some of Javi's coloring come in. We hope to have all of them over to the flat when Pei is a little older, and we will get some more photos for you then. Well, it took almost a full rotat of trying, but I finally got Aaron to go back out on the Yana with me. The caveats were that the stabilizers remained on the entire time, she had a steady supply of anti-nausea meds, and that we stay close to the shoreline just in case. We had a great tour of the Bay Area around the marina, and she says that she had a great time. There were a few moments where I thought I may have lost her, but as we sat together watching Von La set out over the water, I felt her squeeze my hand, and she said, I can see why you like this. I squeezed back and told her that it was even more special now. Afterwards, her scales weren't shimmering near as much as usual. A few cycles after we got back, she came down with a pretty serious anuanu. It's a pretty common ailment that most people catch from spending too much time in the elements. She blames it on her skiff ride. I did my best to take care of her and feed her lots of soup. As hard as I tried, I couldn't get her to stop working. Multiple times I would walk in on her tapping away on a tablet, and at one point I even took it away, only to discover that she had another one stashed under her bed. This was a few annuals ago, so don't worry, she's feeling much better now, but I may have to try harder to get her back out on the water. <sighs> well, here's the tougher part of this message. CJ, I think I need some advice on what to do about something. I know that I will need to make a decision long before you actually get back to me, but sometimes talking to you like this helps me to sort things out in my head, because I feel like I can already hear your reply to them before you even get the message. You have actually helped me like this before, and even when you do send your replies, they are exactly what I was expecting you to say. I guess we just know each other that well. My natural mother, Nosu, reached out to mom about wanting to get in touch with me. I don't know if you remember, but shortly after I was given forth, while my natural father was on his final mission, Nosu brought in my mom, Ori, to help out in raising me. Then when Kezi didn't make it back, and the circumstances of my conceiving came to light, the woman who gave forth to me just 
up and left. She left Ori to take care of me and raise me as her own. After leaving, she apparently returned to Chonar to serve out the punishment that was bestowed upon her. According to the laws as they're written, her status was lowered to below basic levels and she was forced to perform manual labor for the remainder of her existence. When she arrived in Chonar, it was actually so much worse. Her school completely disowned her for her actions and blamed the influence of the other sects. She spent most of her life moving from bad job to worse job until she fell in with a group of ancient worshippers that grew out of the La'ar Va sect. They did their best to take care of her and in return, she bought into every bit of their insane beliefs. This would be one of the same groups that was protesting the mag shield going up over Chonar. As part of the protest, they all fled the city and found the edge of where the shield protected to create an encampment. They claimed that the flare was how Vela and Von La were going to cleanse the impure Velens, and that it somehow would imbue them with the power of the ancients. Of course, they were all exposed to the flare. Many of them have already succumbed to the sickness that follows. For the past few Rotats, Nosu has been living in an assisted care facility where she receives a basic level of medical treatment, but it's not going well. Having refused the Vlet treatment, she was already pretty old, and her age, combined with the sickness, means that she doesn't have much time left. I know, it's weird. Here we are 40 Rotats later, and now, when she's at death's door, she wants to say something to me? I don't even know where to start with how I feel about this. This is a woman who broke the law to have me, but the moment things started to be difficult for her, She abandoned me. She joined an insane group that goes against everything I believe in. Now, all this time later, she decides that she wants to make contact. Mom almost didn't even tell me. I think she was trying to protect me, but she knew that I should make the decision myself. Regardless of what I decide, the one thing I know is that Ori is my mother. The only true parent that I have ever known or will ever have. I spent so many Rotats growing up thinking that people would just leave me. It's like, that's just what they did. My father left me. My natural mother left me. The constant that has always been there, and hopefully, thanks to modern medicine, will be there for a long time, is my mom. I know that you are there as well, but until I can reach out and hold you close or feel your embrace, it's not quite the same. With time, I have hopes that Aaron will reach that point as well. But there's always that sense of dread. Will I do something stupid or take too big a risk with my work that will drive her away? She said that she would go with me to meet Nosu if I wanted her to, or support the decision if I choose not to go. I think she can tell that it's weighing on me as she's been spending a lot more time at my flat doting on me. Well, I guess Javi would be in that close group too. I doubt I could lose him if I tried. His embraces are always a little awkward though. They last too long. I have yet to make a decision about this yet, but I'll let you know either way. May the waves guide us. Jason, 42. Log entry, Heimavina 73, 2377, Age of Enlightenment. Hey, Jay Zoon. 
Thank you for all the good thoughts during my wedding. I had my feel stone with me the whole time, so I hope you could feel my happiness. I'm incredibly touched that your mom would go out of her way to make a special event for our wedding, and you all toasted us. It makes it even more special to know that my whole family really tried to be there for us in some way. And to answer your question, yes, Heimavenans tend to hold our marriage commitments forever. Even those who have lost a spouse and have other relationships later seldom remarry. Divorce and remarriage is more common in the Lithian culture, as they are more progressive. Andy's from a more traditional family, though, so yes, we're in this together forever. It's pretty amazing. On a separate note, Janine and I have a project for Erin, since that coding she did worked like a charm. It'll probably take her less than a militide to complete, but we would like her to put a box on the network where you can scroll between the cities, both on Heimavina and Vela, and it'll display the relative days and times. It's part of Janine's plan to revamp the entire front page, because apparently, it's dreadful. <laughs> I reminded her that we created this when we were 15, and that she should give us a break. I've attached a list of ideas that she has for Erin to look at, and see what she can do if she's feeling sporting. You've seen the polls that Janine has added to the front page, which I thought was a cool idea. The cultural discussion boards are hilarious, because I swear some people are just making skit up. And I'm surprised how active the food and drink board has gotten, and the variety of food videos and comparative ingredients is really cool. I showed Raythea some of the videos, and she's begun to send recipes to post. Raythea is an Antromere-rated chef, which is the highest honor of a chef in the restaurant world, so I was touched that she wanted to help, and I think it might be her way of making amends. You know, when you both come out to Heimvina, we could take Aaron on my mom's new segment. It's 65 feet long, a sleek design, modern, and it just glides through the water. Hopnita Harbor is very calm, so I think it might be an easier experience. I think we can all change Aaron's mind about sailing. Of course, you and Andy would not be allowed to join, because you guys would be trying to see how fast the segment could go. <laughs> Andy has increasingly questioned his mother's acumen since the summit, and has expressed concerns that Raythea might limit their corporation. In response, he's pushing himself harder than ever, and has thrown himself into more projects, board meetings, and even taken over several of her portfolios. He told my dad and I that he feels partially responsible for her actions at the summit, and that if he was less focused on fighting with her, he could have prevented it. So he's taken steps to prevent that from happening again, hence the overworking. I came home one night and found him, Bjorn, and my dad around the dining room table. Bjorn was doing one of his interactive exclamations with glassware, and my dad was answering Andy's questions. Andy told me later how much he admires them, and was pleased that they both offered their advice. I happened to know that they were both hoping that he would ask. <laughs> Men. Their pride and egos always get in the way. <laughs> I love that Andy is growing into his position, but it also means he's stuck on Alondra. He couldn't come back with me to Heimavina during the last break, which we both hated, but we still have to do our jobs. Right now, Andy and I are both at my parents' vacation home in Tallina. Same location. Yay! <laughs> Andy and Janine's boyfriend, Rune, are in the great room watching a video of Rune's last adventure. I don't remember if I told you that Rune is an adventure journalist. If the sport is dangerous or extreme, Rune is right there with the athletes to experience and write about it. He summited the twin sister's tallest peak on Haimavina and has surfed ocean breakers on Yasna, and most recently, he did a base jump from the space elevator on Ganama. 
Janine is not a huge fan of some of his stunts, so he usually doesn't tell her until after. He also writes regular travel pieces on best places to ski or hike, reviews gear, and does athlete profiles. He did a great piece on Lars a few years ago, and his books are intense, and you feel like you're right there with him. I attached digital copies of his books and a video for the base jump for you, which I did not watch, but Andy says you're going to love it. Where was I going with this? Right, Rune. He's from Yasna. Oh, quick sidebar. Before I talk about Yasna, I've been meaning to answer your questions about the Lithian system. Hopefully, this will help you visualize the planets. As I've mentioned, there are eight planets and a number of moons in the Lithian system, but only five planets are truly habitable. Right now, I'm on Viron, which lies on the outer edge of Linnea's wake. The name comes from the legend of our mother Linnea's voyage through the starry seas and looking for a place to rest. She fired an arrow into the stars and it landed on Haimavala Prime. And as she sailed to Haimavala, the planets in her wake were blessed and were given to us as places to explore and expand. Hence, the name Linnea's Wake. The planets in Linnea's Wake are in what the scientific community has deemed the perfect habitable zone for supporting model life forms. The Lithian system is many times larger than the Eluda system, which is why it was chosen for colonization by the ancients. The star Elithia was named for Linnea's little sister, who loved to collect little treasures. The ancients named this system after her because the system was a treasure trove of beauty and resources. And you are correct, the four main planets reflect the aspects of what Haimavala Prime once was. Alondra and Ganema orbit in the middle of this zone, and the climates are similar to Lulea. Yasna, the fourth habitable planet, has a climate much like Trishaven, and while Viron, which is the furthest from Alithia, is cold like Yodith. Savara, the first planet in the zone, is the warmest, and over 80% water, which is why many scientists believe it would be perfect for Velens. The other three planets are uninhabitable, and are used for resources and military training. Okay, back to Yasna. Andy's there frequently because Yasna's space elevator is undergoing a complete retrofit and Houseman Strasse is the prime contractor. I finally joined Andy on one of his work trips, and Rune enjoyed taking us around for the weekend to his favorite parts of the capital city, Solenberg. Rune told us that the population is very environmentally conscious, and many are strict vegetarians, which means their diet does not contain any sort of fauna or fisca. I learned this back when Rune and Janine stayed with us on Haimavina. And I told him one night that the place we were dining at had the best elgar patties, and he might change his mind. And he told me that he won't eat anything that used to think. I've actually heard this lecture before, because it's the same dietary practice that Bjorn follows. He often asks me, how can you eat that tuna fisk when Jezun is one? And I tell him, you are not the same as a tuna fisk. But he always argues that sentient life forms are all evolved from such creatures. <sighs> I'm trying, Jason. I really am. But sometimes the salads that Bjorn orders for us just taste like grass clippings. Recently, I came home and Andy was in the kitchen making an elaborate dinner of vegetables and chef boulard made from a meat substitute. He swore I wouldn't know the difference. I did. Annoyingly, Andy and my mom have both adopted this diet. My mom thinks it must be why Bjorn, who is the same age as my dad, barely ages and is extremely healthy. Then, the other day, Bjorn took Andy and I to his favorite restaurant in Tallinn, 
and he ordered a huge plate of steamed krava from Yasna. And he noticed our confusion and said, What? These are sea bugs. They don't count. Besides, they're delicious. <laughs> anyway, I have happily given up Fiska, as I see Bjorn's point about that. But no one, no one, is going to take away my elgar sandwiches. Elgars are not sentient. They're dumb scroungers with big horns that get into the greenhouses and eat the crops. They may look cute, but they taste even better, especially with a nice glass of vin or a twilight porter. <laughs> I have a couple funny stories for you. I'm on Viron a week each month, and I guess it was a few months ago, Bjorn messaged me while my shuttle was landing to tell me that he had scheduled a dinner meeting for us with one of his college buddies. When I asked him who we were meeting, he cryptically told me that because we moved the House Jorgensen satellite office to Viron from Elandra, this was someone I should know. That evening, we pulled up to the office of the Senior Minister of Viron. We were escorted straight to Senior Minister Oli Hoffman's office, where Bjorn and Oli did some sort of elaborate handshake, laughed, and embraced like brothers. Apparently, they were college roommates. Oli greeted me warmly and said he's been wanting to meet me for some time. He complimented my ability to maneuver the Samcoma to my advantage and expressed appreciation for the lobbying I have done on behalf of the Veronian and Hymavenan technology interests. Oli reminds me of one of my favorite law professors. He's an intellectual, yet humorous, and has the kind of full beard that only the Vinstrasa twins would envy. He's comparatively young to be a senior minister, but the Veronian population is young, and he reflects their values. The three of us chatted about politics and the similarities between Haimavina and Veron. And I can recognize an opportunity when I see one, and Bjorn beamed like a proud mentor as I took advantage of a private meeting with a senior minister to pitch some of my tech policy ideas and tax incentives. Oli listened intently and then set up an official meeting the following week with his senior staff. Once the formal meeting was over, we joined Oli in his private residence for drinks and dinner. There, I watched them transform into 18-year-olds, complete with nicknames, old photos, and salacious stories. Bjorn is still refusing to explain why Oli keeps calling him One Sock. And if you think your never-happened flight attendant story was scandalous, I have stories that will make your scales change color. <laughs> Oli told me how Laura Vinstrasse was the one who advised him to go into politics, and that he missed her wisdom and humor. And he congratulated me on my marriage. And then he told me that he was great at falling in love, but terrible at marriage, as he has been married and divorced four times. <laughs> He joked that it was all Bjorn's fault because Bjorn married his wife and they both laughed. As the story goes, Bjorn's late wife Jana was the cool bartender at the local brewery that everyone had a crush on. Bjorn defended himself, saying that Jana brushed off all of his advances, laughed off all his pathetic attempts to impress her, before actually agreeing to go out with him after he brought her a cafe at the beginning of her shift. <laughs> I told him, well, yeah, that works every time. <laughs> what I loved about the rest of the evening was watching Oli with Bjorn. Vera has mentioned that she can only be herself truly with family. And even though she has a good relationship with her staff, they're still her subordinates. I'm not going to pretend that my role as a scion to a house corporation is anything like running a planet. But I felt pretty honored 
that for an evening, I was allowed to be in Oli's inner circle, and he felt comfortable and relaxed around me, like I was part of his family. To further capitalize on this relationship, Andy and I decided to attend a fundraiser for one of Oli's favorite charities. Oli was delighted we came, and was happy to finally meet Alora's grandson. When Bjorn's older sister Sonnet saw us standing with Oli, she said, Cicela, good, you're here. I was already bored. Let me introduce you to some actual cool people. Clearly, there is some history between them, because Oli winked at her, and he told her that she looked incredible. And Sonnet said, Oli, your zipper's down. <laughs> I adore Sonnet. She is vibrant and hardly puts up with anyone's skit. Her husband, Erico, is a recently retired Elithian fleet captain, and his new hobby is redesigning their home. If you ask Sonnet about it, she usually sighs and says that she lives in a construction site, as Erico has been working down a home improvement punch list he's had for decades. But anytime I talk to Erico, he always asks about you. Apparently, Aunt Juniper bragged about you in officers' meetings. And his recent comment was, I would love to see what your Velen friend can do with a Stiletto 7. <laughs> Apparently, it's some sort of fleet defense fighter spacecraft. I don't know. It's from Hagen Defense Industries, and it's wicked fast. <laughs> well, anyway, towards the end of the event, we started hearing chanting. Protesters barged through the doors holding signs about Vela. They were protesting for Velen independence. <laughs> if you were confused, my dear friend, just wait. I haven't even finished. From what I gather, they believe that the Hymaveans are enslaving the Velens to work in the greenhouses, trophy hunting Saki, and want to stop something called the Vonlitbug from using Velet technology to stop them from aging. No, no, you heard me correctly. This apparently has become a thing in some fringe groups on Yasna who call themselves the Finn Collective. Janine made sure to get some vids for you because she knew you wouldn't believe us unless you saw the protests yourself. <laughs> Before the protesters were detained, they threw balloons filled with algae at the tables. The balloon launched at our table didn't break, but bounced directly into my lap, where it exploded and covered me with green goo. Janine caught that little moment on video, because of course she did. That cackling laughter you hear in the background is all the Laurelin sisters. Remember how I used to say I always wanted sisters? Yeah, I've changed my mind. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot. Javi sent Mari more pictures of Pei. She really is adorable. How are the moms doing? They must be beside themselves with joy. Mari has that picture of Javi and Pei as her cover on her hand terminal. And she shows it to everyone. Mari has also printed pictures of Pei, and she is on our break room fridge with all the other employees' baby announcements. Kai and her are very jealous, and they're hoping that we'll be like Bjorn and Yana and get pregnant in their 40s. Even Grandma Iria can't stop talking about how she wants to kiss those sweet cheeks. <laughs> we are all in awe and sad that we can't be there to meet that sweet little girl. Mm. Well... Since we're discussing kids and parenting, my first reaction to Nosu reaching out to you is the same as yours. Why now? Why did she wait so long? So of course, my answer would be, frost her. But the more I thought about it, I realize it's probably as complex as you point out. 
We can easily make assumptions on why she did what she did. But at the end of the day, we don't know anything. My mom remembers when you were born and how excited Ori was for her friends. She told me how dedicated Kezi was to his mission and how Ori was always there for you. But then my mom said, We have no idea what kind of emotional impact Kezi's death had on Nosu. She remembers that Ori said that Nosu was shattered when Kezi died. Bjorn told me that when he lost Yana, he lost part of his soul. Not only did he lose his spouse of almost 40 years, but he lost his son. He said that he understood Nosu's desire to run away from everything, and said that there was days that he wished he had died too. But unlike Nosu, he had a supportive family. His best friend Alora, who also lost his spouse, helped him through the darkest days. But most of all, he had three little girls who were old enough to know that their mommy wasn't coming back. He was adamant that it doesn't excuse what she did to you, but for what it's worth, maybe it's an explanation. Maybe Nozu could not see it wasn't just her who lost Kezi that day, but you too. Maybe seeing you reminded her too much of what she lost. And then with her family abandoning her, she knew the right thing for you was to be raised by the best person she knew because she couldn't. She knew that Ori would take care of you like her own son. You would have the best education, opportunities, and most of all, you would be loved. And you are. You had a grandmother who was kind and sweet and adored you. And even though we live a light year away, you have an enormous Mana family who cares for you unconditionally. There isn't a home in my family that doesn't have pictures of you and Ori hanging among the rest of the family. Calling someone family in my culture is saying that we accept you as one of us and fall under our protection. It's not always about blood, but wanting to have those people in our lives and want nothing but happiness for them. And we hold you close in our hearts as family because we love you. Maybe somewhere in her cult-influenced brain is the Nozu who giggled when she felt you move inside of her. The Nozu who introduced you to her father on the screen so he could see you after you were born. And maybe you need this for your own answers. And maybe she needs it for herself. And maybe it's her way of saying goodbye to Kezi and making amends with you. It sounds like she's had a really rough life. And maybe she couldn't afford to reach out. Maybe she wasn't allowed to until now. And maybe she needs to see you and know that she made the right decision. Sometimes we have to do things for other people, even if it's hard for us. She made the first step, even if it might be her last. If you decide not to go, don't regret it. You really have all the answers you need. You have a mother and a family who love you. You have friends and a lovely girlfriend who thinks Von Law rises and sets on you. And sometimes events like these help us realize what amazing things we have in our lives and remind us to be grateful for their blessings. But Jason, if you decided to go see her, I wish I could have gone with you. I wish I could have told her what an amazing person you turned out to be and how loved you are. And when it got too hard, we could have left and gone wherever you wanted. And then I would have hugged you until you told me I was squeezing you too hard and you couldn't breathe. And we would have laughed. Jason, I know I'm not close by. But I'm never that far from you. 
hold your feel stone close and you can feel my heart. You are loved. Love always. CJ, age 43. You have been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. The part of Jason has been played by Steve Petrocelli. Music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. Thank you to our Patreon members, Rob and Mary Carnahan. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with at The Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on Discord for general chat. Find all of these links and more information at binarysaga.com. You can also read the print version of the entire first and second season in Kindle or paperback form on Amazon. Print versions include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga.